Amen. Would you remain standing as we go to the text from which my assignment comes today? Second Kings chapter number six. I'm going to begin reading in verse number eight. Second Kings chapter number six, verse number eight. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel and he consulted with his servants saying, my camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel saying, beware that you do not pass by this place for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing, and he called his servants, and he said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants says, None, my lord, O king. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And so he said, go and see where he is that I might send and get him. And it was told him saying, surely he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And so he asked, answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with him. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he might see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Human beings have five senses. Hearing, touching, smelling, tasting, and seeing. We all know that it's by these senses that we interact with the world around us, that we experience life and we do life with these senses. It's by these senses that we are able to sometimes achieve things that we ordinarily wouldn't be able to achieve. We rely on them in obvious ways. But I found out that in order to really achieve, in order to really succeed in life, in order to make an eternal impact that is lasting, that we need what I'm going to call a sixth sense. And all of the Bible greats had this sixth sense. And I want to minister to you tonight on exactly that subject, the sixth sense. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you make your word real to every person, to each and every heart? Would you enrich their lives? Would you help them to grow closer to you? Would you encourage them in Jesus' name? And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. We're in our series, Good, Good Father. And you're going to see that this sixth sense that God wants to minister to us about today has everything to do with the goodness of our heavenly father as we come to the text we see the syrian army is surrounding elisha god's prophet god's man god's anointed and appointed they're surrounding him because they want to kill him which is a message all in of itself by the way if you're anointed you're on somebody's hit list you might as well just get it settled if if you're really doing something for god it is impossible not to attract an attack from the enemy. Attacks come to those who are really doing something for God. And so that's another message. But Elisha is on the hit list of the king of Syria. And he's on his hit list because he feels that Elisha is responsible for his inability to defeat the armies 
of Israel. Every time he plans a military move against Israel, Elisha warns the king of Israel. And the king of Israel is able to set up his military strategy and thwart the strategy of the Syrians because of the information he's getting from Elisha. And so the king of Syria finds out that it's not somebody on the inside that's giving him or giving Israel this information because he thought it was somebody in his cabinet that was leaking something out. But it wasn't somebody in his cabinet that was leaking something out. It was the man of God who was hearing for God on behalf of Israel. And so he decides to send a great army to the city of Dothan because that's where Elisha is and he surrounds in the middle of the night. How many of you know that's when the enemy attacks a lot of the time? In the middle of the night when you're kind of chill, when your defenses are down, when your mind is supposed to be quiet, all of a sudden you get these attacks in the middle of the night. He surrounds his house in the middle of the night. And the servant of the man of God, Elisha's servant, wakes up in the morning. And the way I picture it is he's still in his jockey shorts and he's got his cup of joe. And he walks out onto the porch and he sees all around him that he's surrounded by an army. Have you ever woke up? Felt surrounded. Surrounded by the bills. Surrounded by the pressure of the day. Surrounded by a circumstance that you're going through. Surrounded by a marriage that is going the wrong way. Surrounded by a child that's going in the wrong direction. He wakes up. He's surrounded on every side. This is what Elijah's servant sees. He sees the armies all around him. And he kind of panics. And, and, he, and he runs in. And he, and he wakes up the man of God. And he says, he said, listen, come on, boss. We're surrounded on every side. And you would expect Elijah to kind of push the panic button, right? He'd expect to say, oh, no, what are we going to do now? We're going to die. But, but Elijah's kind of real calm about the situation. And instead of getting up and pushing the panic button, Elijah prays. And he doesn't even pray about the problem. He prays something that's really interesting. And when I, when I, before I tell you what he prays, what, I, what I'm reminded of when I come to this text is Jesus in the boat when the disciples are going to the other side. They hit a storm, and what do they do? They panic. Right? Jesus, get up. Don't you care that we're perishing? This is Elisha's servant, right? He wakes Elijah up. He says, sir, sir, come on. Don't you care? We're surrounded by the armies. And Elijah, he's not moved by it at all. What is it that Jesus knew? What is it that Jesus had? What is it that Elisha knew? What is it that Elisha had that caused them in the middle of being surrounded by problems, surrounded by circumstances that looked like they were going to take them out, that they were able to be at such peace. And Elijah, instead of panicking, he prays, but notice what he prays. He doesn't pray, God, help. He doesn't pray, God, come. He doesn't pray, God, rescue. He doesn't pray, God, save. He prays, God, that he would know that there's more for us then there's against us, that his eyes would be open and that he would be able to see what I see. Elisha, Jesus, all of the Bible greats had this, what I call, sixth sense. This ability to see things that were invisible but were nevertheless real. They they had this ability to see things that were hidden in plain sight. Has anybody ever missed something that was hidden in plain sight? Happens to me all the time. Matter of fact, it's kind of like when I go to the refrigerator to find the jelly. And I go to find the jelly and I'm like, honey, did somebody move the jelly? 
And she's like, no, it's in the refrigerator. Second, second draw, second uh, draw from the top, you know, kind of like on the right hand side. I'm like, I'm looking right at it, all aggravated and stuff like that. I'm like, do you think I'm stupid? I'm looking right in there. There's nothing there. And she walks over and it's like instantaneously, like some, some woman magic. She just goes, here it is. And you feel real stupid, right? It's like, it was hidden in plain sight. When I was a young man, and I was only about 18, 19 years old, Lisa and I, we lived three miles from one another. For most of our teenage years, we went to the same stores. We traveled on the same roads. We knew some of the same people, but I never knew her. She was hidden in plain sight. She was there the whole time, and I didn't even know it. There's this sixth sense that people who succeed in life, people who, who do great things for God, seem to just have, they're able to sense what seems invisible to other people. Hit things that are hidden in plain sight. And the sixth sense is your ability to see the goodness of God that is hidden in plain sight. Even when you are surrounded by circumstances that shout anything but the goodness of God. Matter of fact, this ability to see God's goodness when you are surrounded is your edge in life. Those that are able to do it have an edge. Matter of fact, I don't think it's coincidental that this story about Elijah praying for a servant, which is really what the story is about. This, by the way, is his, his prophet in training. So this is somebody that he's trying to teach something to. The story is really not about the Syrian army that is attacking Israel. It's really about Elijah teaching his understudy how to see the goodness of God that is hidden in plain sight when he's surrounded by circumstances in life. Because how many of you know life will surround you? And if you're not able to see through what is surrounding you to the goodness that is hidden in plain sight, you'll lose your edge. This story comes right after the story of another one of Elijah's trainees, if you will. Elijah ran a school of the prophets. And so they were building, uh, you know, an expansion or a place for them to study. And they were cutting down trees. And, and one of the understudies, he dropped his axe in a lake that was nearby. And it went under the surface of the water and everybody else panicked but Elijah was able to see beyond the surface to what was hidden in plain sight and the story was about how Elijah called the axe back so that the young prophet could get his edge back because when you can see beyond the surface of a situation to the goodness of God that is hidden in plain sight that's your edge in life if you're not able to do that you'll lose your edge, you'll be swallowed up by circumstances because the truth of the matter is what you get in life is what you see. Not what you see is what you get. What you get in life is what you see. Matter of fact, our, our, our ability to experience the goodness of God is only limited by our capacity to see the goodness of God. And I'll prove it to you. You might remember the story of, of Elisha. Elisha met this, this widow woman and, 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 uh, she was in debt, a whole lot of debt, and the creditors were ready to take her kids. And Elijah shows up and he basically says, you got anything in the house, you know, that we could use? 
as a seed in order to pay off this debt. She said, I just got this little bit of oil. And he says, oh, that's good enough. She didn't think she had much. But I want you to know that if you got a problem, God has given you something as a seed to overcome the situation that you're going through. So he says, well, that's good enough. He says, go out and borrow all the containers. All the vessels that you can get your hand on. Don't borrow a few. Go knocking on every neighbor's door. Get as many vessels, get as many containers in the house as you possibly can. And as she did, and she got in the house, and Elias said, now pour the oil. And as she began to pour, she poured, and the oil kept flowing in every single container until the last container that she borrowed was filled up, and then the oil stopped. It didn't stop because God was out of goodness. It stopped because that is as far as she was prepared to receive. Our ability to experience the goodness of God is only limited by our capacity to see the goodness of God. You've got to be able to see what's hidden in plain sight all around you when circumstances are pressing in. The truth of the matter is there's more for you than there is against you. And this is what this story is really all about. And it's really all about how to help us develop our sixth sense. How do we develop that ability to see beyond what surrounds us? To see the goodness of God. To see his goodness that is hidden in plain sight. Elijah's prayer tells us that our ability to see in this capacity is sometimes blocked and can be developed because he prays, Lord, that you would open his eyes, which means that his eyes were blocked. He could see physically, but he couldn't see spiritually, which tells me that there were things standing in the way of him being able to see the way that the man of God who had been trained in the things of God was able to see. There was something standing in his way. And there's a lot of things that stand in the way of our ability to see the goodness of God, that block our ability to see the goodness of God. For instance, experiences that we internalize, that we make What's always going to be in our life, they stand in the way of seeing the goodness of God. Poor theology stands in the way of us seeing the goodness of God. Uh, Self-image stands in the way of us seeing the goodness of God. The people that we hang with stand in the way. They block us from seeing the goodness of God. There are things that block it. Otherwise, Elijah wouldn't have prayed. God opened his eyes. But the fact that he prayed, opened his eyes, and his eyes were blocked tells me that our ability to see God's goodness, to use this sixth sense to look for and see and experience the goodness of God that surrounds us, even when we are surrounded by all sorts of bad circumstances, is something that can be developed. And God is committed to us seeing his goodness. And so he helps us to develop the sixth sense in four different ways that I want to share with you. The first way that he helps us is through the right people. Here's this this servant, unnamed servant. We don't even know his name. Here's my question. What if he wasn't connected to Elisha? Guess what would have happened to him? He would have never seen the goodness of God. He would have seen all of the stuff that was surrounding him. He would have been overwhelmed by the circumstances. He would have been swallowed up in the fear. He would have been swallowed up 
in the panic. He would have never been able to get beyond what he saw that was closest to him. He would have looked at what was in front of him with his natural eyes instead of looking what was right on the other side of that thing with his spiritual eyes. Because though he was connected to Elisha, he was able to see beyond what was surrounding him. I can't say it often enough. The people that you associate with and the people that you can Connect with are imperative to you being able to develop your sixth sense to see beyond your circumstances. You need people who can push you beyond the I can'ts. Because when we're surrounded, what happens? We get all hung up in the I can't. I, I can't. I can't get over this. I can't get beyond this. I can't get out of my way. I can't ever get ahead. I, I, I can't ever succeed. I can't ever catch a break. See, that's what happens when we we hang around the wrong people. Certain people will feed your I can'ts. And what you need to do is you need to get away from what I call the life is hard people. And you need to hang around the God is good people. It's not that the God is good people don't know that life is hard. The problem is that the God is good people have a more of a revelation of the God is good than they do of the life is hard. And so they live in the experience of the God is good even when life is hard. We need to move beyond. We need to get unconnected from the people who get us or help us to stay stuck in the I can'ts and get around the people who can push us into the I can's. The I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We need to get around the right people. Your connection to the right people has everything to do with your ability to see beyond what surrounds you and see what is hidden. The goodness of God in plain sight. The second thing that God does in order to help us to be able to develop this sixth sense is he leads us through many different ways to pray the right kind of prayers. How did this guy see what he was supposed to see? It was because Elijah prayed the right prayer. Did you know that there's a right prayer and a wrong prayer in order to open your eyes to see the goodness of God? Here's what most people do when they're surrounded by bad circumstances. And there is a place, by the way, to process pain, right? You know, we, none of us get, are at a place, I don't think, where we experience pain and we go right past it and move on with life. No, no, there's a place in prayer to process. And if you look at that, David was real in prayer in a lot of the Psalms and he let his emotions out. But here's what you need to know. Most people use prayer as an opportunity to complain about what surrounds them. And if that's where prayer stays, if that's where prayer remains, if all prayer is, is a regurgitation to God of what you are experiencing in your life, your sight will be blocked and you will be consumed with the hardness of life instead of the goodness of God. Elijah doesn't pray about the problem. Elijah doesn't pray about the army. Elijah doesn't pray about how difficult the circumstance is. Elijah prays for the promise. 
Elijah prays God that he would know that there's more for us than there is against us. God, that he would see that even though it looks like we're surrounded, truth is you've got an angel of our, uh, an army of angels that is all around us. And God, I'm praying that he would experience and see the promise. We call this kind of praying, praying a prayer of faith. The prayer of faith is referenced in James chapter number five, verse number 13. It says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed any sins, he'll be forgiven. What is faith? Faith is the ability to see things invisible. That's what faith is, right? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the ability to see God's promise in the face of all of the problems that are present in your current circumstance. Faith is the ability to look beyond the pain of the circumstance. Faith is the ability to look beyond the problems of the circumstance. Faith is the ability ability to look beyond the strain of the struggle to the promise of God that you cannot see with your physical eyes. And so the prayer of faith is the ability to pray what God wants in the face of you experiencing something different. That's what the prayer of faith is. The prayer of faith is something like this. Father, I thank you that by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. Father, I thank you that all my needs are met according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Promise, promise, promise. Father, I thank you that your joy is my strength. Father, I thank you that your peace that passes all understanding guards my heart and my mind. Father, I thank you that all things work together for my good. When you're looking at a bad situation, imagine what the enemy hears when he hears you praying. Father, I thank you that this situation is working together for my good. He's like, no, no, no. That's not the way it's supposed to happen. The prayer of faith is when we pray the promise and not the problem. And when we pray God's promises over our life, what happens is our ability to see beyond what is surrounding us all of a sudden is tapped into. And in life, you get what you see. And so your eyes need to be opened, but you need to position yourself in order to open those eyes. The third way that God, that God helps us to develop our sixth sense the right people, the right prayer. You're going to love this one, the right problem. This, is, this one really is where I, I really enjoy the goodness of God. Because problems, for the most part, are sent into our lives in order to blur our vision of the goodness of God. The enemy sends problems to us in order to distort our perception in our view of God. Remember, we've been talking about this in this series. We said that the enemy has two plans. Plan number one, there is no God. Plan number two, if there is a God, he's not good. How does he get us to believe that if there is a God, he's no good? Problems. Problems come into, and their intent is to mask us from seeing the magnificence of God's goodness. 
But what happens is if you're a child of God, God uses those problems not to mask his goodness, but to magnify his goodness. That if you're a child of God, eventually, and you may not see it when you're in the middle of your problem, but eventually your problem will strengthen your view and strengthen your understanding of God's goodness. I'll give you a couple of examples. How did David learn God's goodness? Through a giant-sized problem named Goliath. How did uh, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego learn God's goodness? They were thrown into a burning, fiery furnace. How did Daniel learn God's goodness? He went into a lion's den. How did every great man or woman of God learn God's goodness? Joseph thrown into a pit which led to a prison that ultimately was a step to the palace. He didn't see God's goodness necessarily when he was in the pit. He didn't see God's goodness when he was in the prison. But eventually he saw through the problem that was meant to mask God's goodness, God's goodness. Why? Because all things work together for the good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. God will use everything the enemy sends as a backdrop for you to experience his goodness because problems help us to look differently. When you have a problem, you don't look the same way you look when you don't have a problem. When you don't have a problem, you kind of look to yourself. You look to everything that's kind of real close to you. But when you've got a problem, what happens to your vision? You look up. That's why the scripture says, Psalm 121, I look to the hills from whence my help cometh. My help cometh from the Lord. Here's what happens when problems that come to mask the goodness of God come into our lives and we are children of God. Our eyes change. Instead of looking at our circumstances, instead of looking at our human inadequacies, all of a sudden we look up and we look to the hills. And that's what the psalmist writes. Matter of fact, listen to the whole psalm, Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow my foot to be moved. He he who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. What's he saying? He's saying that when my eyes change, that when I go from being absorbed by the problem that I sent to mask the goodness of God to looking up to where my help comes from, all of a sudden I begin to see everything that God is going to do through and God is going to do as a result of what I'm experiencing right now at this moment. And I don't know who this is for right now, but here's what God told me to tell somebody. Lift up your eyes. Look up right now. I know you may not have the strength to look up. Just look up. Say, God, I'm going to take my eyes off of this circumstance. Because the more I look at the circumstance, the more you are masked in my life. The more the devil plays with my mind. But God, I'm going to look up. And when I look up, God, I'm going to trust you that you're going to change my vision. And my sixth sense is going to all of a sudden kick in. And I'm going to be able to see the things that are hidden in plain sight. I'm going to be able to experience your goodness, even though I'm surrounded 
by all this badness. Famously, God said to the Apostle Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Watch this. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And if you read the context, you will find that this is God's answer to what the enemy sent into Paul's life. God was saying to Paul, the problem is not going to do what the enemy sent it to do. Did you hear that? That was so anointed that you missed it. Here's what God is saying. I want you to get this. The problem is not going to do what the enemy sent it to do. The problem has an assignment attached to it. The problem has something that the enemy wants to do in your life. But here was God's promise to the apostle Paul. That which was sent to do you harm is not going to end up doing you the way the devil intended for it to do you. Matter of fact, instead of the problem magnifying your weakness, the problem is going to magnify my strength. Instead of the problem destroying your destiny, the problem is going to propel you into your destiny. Instead of the problem causing you to uh, fall back and retreat. The problem is going to cause you to stand up and take ground. The problem is not going to do what it was sent to do. Why? Because when a problem is sent into the life of one of God's kids, God uses the problem to propel us and not to set us back. It's hard for us to see. Matter of fact, I believe problems are setups. Problems are setups. Say, Pastor, what do you mean? We'll read on in the story. And I didn't read it in our text. But Elijah prays two prayers. He prays once for his servant's eyes to be opened that he could see. He prays then for the enemy's eyes to be closed so they can't see. He prays once for his servant's eyes to be opened, spiritual eyes, so that he can see exactly what Elijah sees so he can have what Elijah has in the middle of the storm, which is peace. But then he prays for the enemy who surrounds him that blindness would be put so they can't see what God was really doing. And the enemy walks up to Elijah's house, the Syrian army. They knock on the door. Elisha answers the door. They said, we came here to see Elisha. Elijah said, he's not here but I'll take you to him. They were looking right at Elisha, but they couldn't see who he really was. And so Elijah said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll take you to where he is. Follow me. And Elijah led them out of the city, out of the place where he lived, into a setup, into a trap by the armies of Israel. And so what the enemy sent to accomplish one thing did not accomplish what the enemy sent it to do. It was a setup for the child of God. It's a setup. It's a setup. It's a setup. I don't know what God is setting you up for, but here's what I do know. Trust me, I'm, not, I'm talking from experience. I'm not talking from a problem free life. I, I wish I never had problems, but I've had some bad problems in my life. And when I've gotten to the place of being on the other side of those problems, I realized that it was a setup to further the plan, to further the destiny that God had in mind. It's a setup. It's a setup. 
And then the third way, or the fourth way that God helps us to develop our sixth sense is he gives us the right perspective. The longer you walk with God, not not the longer you're saved. Because I've been a pastor too long to know that there are people who are saved for a long time that don't walk with God for a long time. The difference between the two. I'd rather, I'd rather be in the company of somebody who's walked with God for five years than somebody who's been saved for 40 but only walked for God, with God for months. You know, you get around on people. Here's how you could tell people who really have a walk for God. They, they brag about how long they've been saved. Anytime you've got to brag about it means you don't got it. Rolls Royce don't advertise. Rolls Royce don't tell anybody how great they are. People can see it when you got it. You don't got to let everybody know. And so the longer you walk with God, the more you will begin to see the goodness of God when situations are surrounding you. You'll be able to see beyond the surface to what is really the truth. You'll be able to see beyond what I call the first circle. In life, there's always two circles. There's the circle you see with your physical eyes. Then there's the circle that you can only see with your spiritual eyes. And the longer you walk with God, the more of a perspective you get to look past the surface or the first circle to the second circle. I want to illustrate this for you. Can I illustrate this for you? I'm going to need some help, okay? So I need some audience participation. I need like five or six short people. Okay, don't be embarrassed if you're short. God is going to use your shortness right now, okay? I need five or six short people. Anthony, you're a short person. Come and help me. Give me, give me five or six short folks. Come on. Come on. I really need to come on right up on the stage. Five or six short folks. Short folks, come on up. Let's give it up for the short people. You thought that God, God, God made an accident by making you short. God was gonna, made you short just for this sermon right here. Look at this. I need some more short folks. Come on. Who's short? I need a short person. Short people, short people, short people. All right. Short people, come on. Come on. Okay, okay. That's enough short people. Come on, short people. Now, here's what else I need. We're gonna, there's going to be a bunch of different groups of characters. There's going to be Elisha. I'm going to play Elisha. I'm going to also play Elisha's servant. So I'm going to have a dual role in this movie, okay? So I'm going to double act in this movie. And then we're going to have the short people. You are the Syrian army, okay? You're the Syrian army. Now I need some, some tall, strong people. I need some tall, strong people. Tall, strong people. Come on up if you can and stand over here. Tall, tall, strong people. Come on. I need y'all tall, strong people. Look at this. They're like, yeah, that's right. I'm tall. I'm strong. Look at me. Tall, strong people right over here. Tall, strong people. I need, I need more of you tall, strong people than I got of the short Syrian people. Okay. All the tall, strong people over here. Come on. I need y'all's help quick. Come on. Come on. If you're tall, five foot nine or better, you're tall. Come on. I need, I need at least 12, 12, 12. Hurry up. Hurry up. Tall, tall, strong people. Come on. There you go. Come on. What, how many I got? You're not exactly tall, but I'm going to let you pass, okay? Okay, One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Okay, this is good. Now, here's your cue. You guys are going to hang out here like you're not even part of this whole thing until I say, look up to the hills. When I say look up to the hills, what you're going to do is you're going to make a circle around these guys. 
You got that? You all can handle that? Okay, circle. Now, what I need you all sharp people to do, okay, is I need you to make a circle around me. Circle around me. Good. Circle around me. Go ahead. Full circle. Full circle. Full circle. Full circle. Close it in. All right. This is what Elisha's servant sees. He sees that he is surrounded by a Syrian army. And he's having a conversation with Elisha. He goes to Elisha. He says, Elisha, Elisha, sir, sir, wake up. We're surrounded on every side. Elisha says, I think it's going to be all right. He says, what do you mean it's going to be all right? How in the world do you think it's going to be? Don't you see everything surrounding us? Don't you see the sickness surrounding us? Don't you see the poverty surrounding us? Don't you see the depression surrounding us? Don't you see the marital infidelity surrounding us? What do you mean it's going to be all right? I just got a feeling everything is going to be all right. Now I know you done lost your cotton picking mind. Look at you. Look at you. You got your eye. You are crazy. How could you say, don't you see what is all around us right now, Elijah? Well, here's what I need you to do. I need you to just open your eyes for a minute. Father, I pray right now that he sees that there's more for us than there is against us. What do you mean there's more for us than there's against us? Look at all these people that are around us closing in. Look up to the hills. Look up to the hills. Look up to the hills. See, see, this is what Elisha's servant saw. This is what Elisha saw. How many even know that if I'm going to go into a fight, if I got this, all around me. This isn't really going to bother me that much. I mean, they might get a few licks in on me, but here's what I know. By the time they get their little few licks in on me, as soon as they start, matter of fact, lift your hand, lift your hand right now. Give me an angel. Grab that hand right now. Give me an angel to grab. See, here's what really is going to happen. As this guy is getting ready, that angel's going, and he's going to be like, what in the world? He's going to turn around. All of a sudden, his fight is not with me anymore. His fight is what God has surrounded me with. See, here's the truth of the matter. Here's what you're able to do when you have the right perspective. You're able to see beyond the first circle to the second circle. The truth is that when it seems like you're surrounded, that God is surrounding what is surrounding you. This is what God wants us to see. This is the perspective that he wants us to have. Y'all can go back to your seat. When I was, when I read the rest of the story, I thought this is the most unusual story in the world. Because a couple of things happened. The first thing that happened is that when they got led to the ambush, Israel was ready to kill the enemy. And Elijah said, don't kill him. And I said, why don't you want him killed? How many of you know when you get a chance to kill your enemy, kill your enemy? Elisha, don't kill him. He said, make him a feast. He said, let's give him a feast, and then we'll send him back on their way. They fed him, and they sent him back. I said, Lord, what in the world? And God said, remember after I've taken you through stuff that is surrounding you, how you felt? And I said, yeah, what you mean? He said, remember how when I showed you my goodness, as a result of what they surrounded you with, that you almost wanted to go back and thank your enemy? Listen to me, listen to me. 
when you walk with God and you see what God does through what surrounds you, you almost want to go back to your enemy. Say, thank you so much for doing what you did to me. Thank you for swinging at me. Thank you for taking a swipe at me. Why? Because if you never took that kind of swipe, I would have never seen how good God really was. And so thank you for swiping at me. When I, when I was when I was 14 years old, I, told, I think I told you this story before. When I was 14 years old, I was I was at a, at a high school party, and um, we decided to go walk from the house that we were hanging out to to go get some other people. At the time I was dating this girl, what a waste of time at 14 to date somebody. Listen to me, young people, don't date nobody when you're 14. It's a waste of time. Here's the only thing that's going to happen if you date somebody when you're 14. You're either going to lose your virginity or your heart's going to be broken. If that's the one, they need to wait. You need to wait. Be, some, be friends for a little while. And then when you get old enough to really make a decision, date then. But anyway, I was wasting time when I was 14. And so I was with this girl that I was dating and and she had four of her girlfriends. And she said, let's go over to so-and-so's house. Let's invite them to the party. So we left the party where we were. And we walked about four or five blocks to where this other person was. And as we were walking, this van pulls up. And the van stops next to us and the back doors of the van opens up. And, and about seven big dudes jump out of the van. They got axes, pitchforks, knives, awesome pats. Guns weren't a thing back then, thank God. And, and, and I was the only guy. And this one dude took an axe. He put it right up here. Press it against me like this. And this other dude, little dude, thought he was bad because somebody had an axe up on me like that. He punched me dead in the face with the axe right here. I didn't know how it happened, but my face didn't move. And the axe didn't cut me. And no sooner did he punch me in the face, and I thought, we're going to die. This is it. We, we are going to die. Somebody of the seven recognized me from school. I said, do you know who you just hit? That's Frank Santora. And he started beating up the dude that punched me. And then they started fighting amongst themselves. And we just walked, I mean, ran away. I don't know what happened to them all. They started fighting amongst themselves. And suddenly I look back on that situation. And here's what I discovered. Something that God has been showing me ever since. That when it looks like you're surrounded. The fact is. The truth is. God has got what is surrounding you. Already surrounded. You need to lift up your eyes. You need to get a higher perspective. You need to look to the hills. From where your help comes from. And God will begin to turn your situation. Would you stand to your feet?